The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg with your host, psychologist and author, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics brought to you by SSI Guardian. Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat. Visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Hello, listeners. I'm glad you're here with me for another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, which is brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. And I'm coming to you from Denver, Colorado, and streaming around the world online and from your smartphone apps. We also have a podcast that you can listen to every week on demand as well. So, no excuses to miss the show and the wonderful guests that I have on each week. I have a very special invitation for you. If you're working on experiencing lasting change in one or more areas of your life, why not register for my Do Something Different for Change VIP Personal Transformation Retreat. You'll enjoy a full day of refreshment, personal reflection, and strategic planning privately or with a small group of motivated individuals. Together we'll explore where you are, where you want to go, And identify what's holding you back. You'll leave with an individualized plan to accelerate your personal transformation and help you walk in freedom and purpose. Go to drpegradio.com to reserve your spot in a Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. Well, the other day I was having a conversation with my husband and my stepsons about some of the things that women are concerned about when it comes to safety And it really was, I think, an educational conversation for all of them. Some things that men often take for granted are just a fact of life for women in terms of safety. I have a guest today who's going to provide some helpful insights into safety for women. I have FBI-trained law enforcement enforcement experts, excuse me, Major Donna Kinsey. Donna Kinsey, thank you for calling in and welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Dr. Maggie. Wonderful. I look forward to our conversation. We we spoke on the phone a couple days ago, and I wish I had just pressed record on our conversation. So I trust that it's going to be uh, beneficial for our listeners today, both men and women, um, not just for women. That's what we're focusing in on. But again, educating men and young men um, about safety issues and how to help the uh, also the women they love to stay safe as well. Uh, Donna Kinsey, you're a retired veteran law enforcement officer who's been actively involved in training and program development for over 30 years. During the course of your career, you were awarded the FBI Women in Law Enforcement Leadership Award, and you also developed your department's law enforcement response to active shooter protocol. And as a founder and president of Tech3, or Training Enhancement Center, as well as an SSI Guardian Certified Executive Instructor uh, you provide specialized instruction to public and private organizations. So I would I would say you are certainly an expert in this topic. So thank you so much again for for being here today. Now, well, thank you so much, Ms. Peggy. It's a pleasure to be here, and I hope to educate your listeners. Yes, I know you will. Now, before we really get into the the main topic today, I was really fascinated by the fact uh, that you were also the first woman in the history of your department to attend the FBI National Training Academy. So if you would tell us, uh, the listeners, about 
the FBI National Training Academy and um, what that is and just your experiences leading up to being selected um, into this very um, exclusive kind of prestigious um, institution. Yes, I'm, I'm happy to do that. And it was such an honor for me to not only be the first woman selected in the history of our department to attend, but just to be invited to participate in what is considered by law enforcement as the premier law enforcement training academy in the world. Mm. Um, I attended in 2005, session 222, and as a police major and an executive law enforcement officer, actually less than one half of 1% of law enforcement executives ever have this opportunity. So it was quite a prestigious honor. Um, I was approached by my police chief who had recognized that um, no women had attended from our agency, and um, she actually presented me with a challenge. The FBI National Academy is a law enforcement training, constitutes 10 weeks at the Marine Corps base in Quantico, Virginia, at the FBI National Headquarters. And it is a very rigorous training academy. It involves a, um, a very rigorous uh, academic section as, as well as a uh, physical fitness program. And unfortunately, at the time, and you know how law enforcement officers have a tendency to eat on the run and spending some time, I guess, in donut shops, um, I had become out of shape and overweight. And because there was such a strenuous physical fitness element um, to the academy, for liability reasons, there was a height weight requirement. So while on the waiting list for a period of about two years, I, I dropped a lot of weight and I developed uh, my own little fitness protocol, my daughter actually helped me, who was in elementary school at the time, and <laughs> got into shape, met the requirements, and was fortunate enough to be selected to attend. Um, the FBI Training Academy um, is, is an academy that actually teaches leadership, uh, civil liability, communication, policies, procedures, and I was fortunate enough to be exposed to, listen to, and learn from some of the best uh, motivational speakers um, that I had ever heard in, in my life. It was a wonderful opportunity. Um, and, and as a result of that, I actually came back home, decided to stay in shape, and uh, my daughter and I started a little fitness program in our neighborhood for the kids. Um, we called it DK Kid Club, and there's actually a short video under the community tab of my website that talks about um, how the program was started. And the idea was to get the kids in the neighborhood off the couch and into the street where we would exercise one day a week. Um, and the program, uh, we actually brought it back up to here to Virginia. It was featured on the news and in local newspapers, and uh, we, we really enjoyed that, wow. um, trying to get the kids out of the house and off of their, their um, Nintendos at the time and get out there and start to exercise. So mm -hmm. we're very, very proud of those accomplishments. Yeah, and there, there's a good principle in there that um, – we don't just sit around while we're waiting for something to happen, a goal, to achieve a goal or waiting on, um, you know, our destiny, really. Uh, you were very busy while you were waiting and not only improved your own physical fitness and physical health and well-being, but look what you did for kids in the community. That's wonderful. Well, you know, the thing that I thought about, Dr. Peggy, is you, you really hit the nail on the head. You're, you're going to sit back and wait, and it's not going to come to you. And this is such a competitive program. As I said, so few law enforcement executives get to attend. And I just knew that if I didn't get fit and get into this program, that I would look back and regret it for the rest of my life because there were so many men in our department waiting for the opportunity to attend. 
So uh, God was good, and he gave me the opportunity and opened the door, and um, I was able to succeed with that. Amen. Amen. Well, and and um, just uh, to be able to get the training that you received, and as you shared, just the inspiration and motivation from from those experts is wonderful. Well, you retired as a major in the North Miami Police Department, uh, started out on patrol, um, and among many roles, you were a field training officer with officers and civilians. And as you know, you're aware, uh, officer training, police officer training is, is a controversial topic right now and, and just a critically important uh, topic. Uh, what kind of training do you recommend police officers receive uh, to reduce the prevalence of, I guess, what what they call bad shootings and accusations of bad shootings and, and just the negative effects of implicit bias, all those things that we're um, unfortunately reading about in the news today. What kind of training would you recommend to combat that? Well, you know, Dr. Peggy, in today's day and age, police officers have the most difficult job. Um, it, it's very sad to say, but uh, in 2016, I think there were 142 officers killed in the line of duty, significantly up from previous years. And when I noticed when I looked at those statistics that many of those, many of those cases, I think over 62 of them this past year were involving um, fatalities as a result of someone shooting and killing a police officer with a weapon. So when you think about it, our our country right now, if you just think a moment, in today's society, um, we are universally, we're we're divided. And there is an ever-increasing um, age of violence, and um, you know, especially in light of the recent violent protests for um, shootings that have occurred in law enforcement agencies across the country, where the public is so quick to react, everything is posted on social media within instance. But people need to step back and realize that the the simple clip that they see, either on Facebook or social media, it is not it doesn't capture the events surrounding the shooting. So people have to take a step back and wait for the police agencies and the professional law enforcement agencies and investigators to conduct a thorough investigation of what happened in the case. Um, Certainly we don't want to rush to judgment in this situation. And people have to remember that the police officers, we're soldiers. Um, Yes, our military, the branches of our service protect our borders, but police officers protect our communities, and they step out of their cars each and every day to handle cases of potentially violent crimes, putting their lives on the line to protect the public, even a portion of the public that hate us. And, you know, the Bible tells us that regardless of our party or our affiliation, um, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, to pray for our kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. So we have to remember that, and it's so easy to look at a segment of what's posted on social media or even the news and rush to judgment. So um, training is absolutely a factor, but um, we need to just recognize that police officers face a very, very difficult job, and we need to support them. Mm -hmm. Having said that, When a police officer does step outside of the law or act outside of the scope of his training, then certainly we recognize that that officer needs to be held accountable. Um, I'm of the firm believer that um, the best thing that a law enforcement agency can do to um, prohibit these type of situations starts actually in the hiring process. 
where there is a very thorough um, and accurate background investigation conducted on a potential police applicant. And I believe that the um, past performance is the best indicator of future performance. And if the background investigators and the law enforcement agency and the administration for the police department is doing their job, they will go back to very, very early on in that potential applicant's background to see if there are any red flags or early warning signs that have been present, um, whether it's looking at the school records to see if there were uh, suspensions or expulsions or disciplinary actions due to anger or violence within the school. And many times um, those officers can be weeded out at a very early phase rather than them getting caught up in a situation and then the department being civilly liable for their behavior and also, you know, resulting in an unfortunate incident. Mm-hmm. Well, I think so, um, you're, you're presenting a really balanced uh, perspective um, and, and presenting the issue in a, in a larger context. I certainly appreciate that. And taking the spiritual approach it applies to politics as well. We can easily... Um, start taking sides and then forget to pray for the people that are in leadership and in authority. So thank you for that reminder. Well, let's shift. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and aside from the background investigations, training would be paramount. I mean, mm-hmm. that is the key to to um, situations. When we're confronted, um, and you know police officers never have the same day at work twice, for most of us, when we go to work, we have our materials, our backpacks, our book bags, our briefcase. We know what we're walking into each day. Remember, law enforcement officers are a unique profession, and every call that they handle can potentially be violent. And trust has very little uh, value in law enforcement. So we're walking into a situation we know not what we're going to be confronted with, so we really have to be trained and prepared for anything, and that's why training is so important. I mean, um, obviously, recognition and avoidance of a violent encounter is always the best option. However, we need to be trained and prepared in the event we're confronted with something um, because, as we know, um, we will react how we were trained. Mm-hmm. Right. So, 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 so really um, appropriate training, and there's all kinds of, research going into that uh, today and changes being made in the curriculum and what the academies look like and the type of training everyone is getting. So um, we'll, we'll continue to pray that, that um, law enforcement officers will remain safe and that the p- people that they're sworn to protect and serve will also uh, be safe as well. I thank you for your yes. perspective. I'm speaking with um, Donna Kinsey, law enforcement expert, uh, and we're going to be talking about um, Personal safety for women in particular. Uh, Donna, um, you say that personal safety has to be in every situation a top priority. And if you don't get this, nothing else really matters. Um, How important is it to integrate personal safety measures into our everyday lives, especially for us as women? It is very important, and primarily because, Dr. Peggy, as you know, um, we cannot rely on the police or security to protect us. There are certain control factors that we have, and, and one of those is having a survival mindset. And if we have this mindset and we change the simple things that we do every day, then um, we can be much significantly less likely to be the victim of a violent encounter. Um, the survival mindset program um, that I developed was actually based on a double homicide that occurred uh, many years ago in 2007 in a jurisdiction that was not even within the city where we policed, but a mother and daughter were brutally murdered, uh, and they were stopped at a South Florida prominent shopping center. 
and they were found bound and gagged in the early morning hours in the back of their SUV with the engine running. And I couldn't help but think that had these women had training as to what to look for and how to be more safe, and they practiced these in their everyday life, that they that they possibly could have survived. Mm. There's only three elements to a crime, uh, a victim, an offender, and the opportunity. So the idea is to remove that opportunity. And there's certain rules that we can apply every day, just simple rules that we can reduce our risk. Um, so some of those things include um, you can reduce your risk by staying in safe, well-lit locations. Many of these women that have become victims are victims of violent crimes because they've gone somewhere alone. Um, and if you're exiting a shopping mall, getting out of your vehicle, or simply walking from your front door to your car, which is parked in your driveway, you are entering what law enforcement officers call a fatal funnel. And that's when you want to be most aware and spend the least amount of time. So if you can leave the shopping mall, leave the shopping center, and walking to your car, wait for a group of people that are walking out along with you. Um, don't take shortcuts to areas that you're not familiar with. Stay in well-lit areas. And that's certainly a time where you do not want to be on your cell phone because although, as you know, we as women are addicted to busy, we can multitask and we want to handle so many things at one time, when we're doing that, we have something that we call tunnel vision. And we're not aware of our surroundings. We don't know who's behind us or beside us. So these are just some very simple rules that we can apply. And if we practice those every day, if we stop, look, and listen and teach and, and learn from what we teach our children to be careful and to be attentive to our surroundings. I mean, we teach our young kids, look both ways before you cross the street. What are you looking for? You're looking for that danger. The same can be applied in the survival mindset, you know, with adults. Wow. That's a lot of good information. Let's let's um, break some of that down a little bit. So survival mindset, we talk a lot on my show about um, situational awareness, and it, it sounds like the two of those really go hand in hand where we're not so distracted by our cell phones or even attending to our children or just busy even window shopping without being alert. Part of that survival mindset involves situational awareness. Um, so how important is that um, for a violence prevention measure? If we were more aware and really had that mindset, um, do you think that would make a big impact in um, decreasing our risk for violence? Without question, it's extremely important. And although we can't assume that we're ever completely safe, there are some very proactive things that we can do to make us less likely to be a victim. Um, we have to be prepared to defend ourselves violently if necessary, but recognition and avoidance is always the best option. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we do things without thinking to put ourselves in harm's way. Um, just as an example, if, if we're in a parking lot, um, before we exit our vehicle, our vehicle can actually be what we call a safety zone. And it's where you can semi-let your guard down, maybe inside of your home or in your workplace, just so that you are around other people and you have a reasonable expectation of safety. So before you exit your vehicle in the parking lot, who's parked next to you? Look around the parking lot uh, to see what you spot that may be suspicious. Our bodies are perfectly fine-tuned machines. I mean, God made us to listen to our, our senses, and we have a sense of an awareness. And our bodies will tell us when something's wrong if we listen mm -hmm. to it. So the key is to trust your instincts always. Mm -hmm. um, 
parking lots are busy with pedestrian traffic, and um, even the way we park our vehicle could make a difference. For example, most of us pull into parking spaces because we're in a hurry. But think about how it would be if we backed into a parking space. Mm. That would allow us to approach our vehicle from the front. We can have a full view of the inside of the vehicle through our windshield because, as you know, our windshield is not tinted. Mm. And the other thing it allows us to do is when we're pulling out of a parking space, we can get out quickly and um, we also lessen the risk of maybe backing over a small child who might be walking through the parking lot. So those are just some basic safety measures. We always want to park for safety, not convenience. And remember, the closest parking space to the entry of the door isn't necessarily the safest. We want to try to avoid parking into multi-level parking garages. Um, if you do scream in a situation and you're violently mm. attacked, uh, you know, everyone will hear you scream, but it will echo and no one will be able to find you. Right. So I, we want to make sure that we follow that principle. Yeah. I recently had parked in the multi-level parking garage at Denver International Airport, and my flight came in late. So I'm walking through that parking garage at midnight. And even though it's well lit, mm. there was no one else in there. And I was thinking, even if I screamed, it wouldn't matter, you know, if someone were hiding and attacked me because there would be no one else to listen or hear, what would you recommend in a scenario? That's probably a pretty common scenario where you cannot avoid parking in a multi-level parking um, garage and you're, you're the only one in there. Even if it's well lit, it doesn't matter. There's no one there to help you. What, what recommendations would right. you have in that situation? So generally speaking, women that are in that situation are not going to want to call the mall security or the business security. There's always security mm. available in those shopping malls, in those centers, in those business offices. There is absolutely nothing wrong with contacting the security person who works in the building or asking for mall security to make sure that even if they just sit in their car and watch you to walk, watch you walk to your vehicle. So that automatically will eliminate that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And remember, law enforcement officers work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We never close. Mm -hmm. And we would much rather you call us than respond to a situation where um, when we get there, we find out that you've been the victim of an attack. Right. Um, another another prime example, Ms. Peggy, that I see women doing every day is um, when they walk into the grocery store or shopping mall, many times they will walk right in front of a, a Loomis truck or a, a Brinks truck. Now, these armored car guards are exiting their vehicles carrying potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash and people are on their cell phones walking right in front of them. Now, in the event that these armored car mm. drivers or trucks get robbed, there's likely to be an exchange of gunfire, and you do not want to be in the path of that bullet when their gunfire is exchanged. So it takes an average of about seven minutes for these drivers to complete their transactions. So back that vehicle into a parking space. When you see that Brinks truck or that Loomis truck or the armored car vehicle, just back into the parking space sit in your car and wait for them to complete their transactions wow. and drive away. Um, and that's just one example of something that, that you know, we know that people armor car skip robbed and uh, at gunpoint many times, and you just don't want to be there. You certainly don't want to be in the path of, of that gunfire, that gun battle when you're crossing the street, especially if you have small children. Right, right. So these, these are things that are not too hard to do and even just common sense. But if, if it's not on our radar with that survival mindset, situational awareness, we wouldn't think to do it. Uh, the whole 
idea of calling security for an escort. That How simple is that? <laughs> and that would make all the difference. But we really, again, especially as women, uh, we're often uh, more interested in being polite than we are in um, keeping ourselves safe in certain situations, to, to be polite and not disturb the the uh, security guard in the middle of the night. Right. Uh, but really, no, it's not even being impolite. It's the right thing to do. It's why they're there, and it can make all the difference. Uh, Donna, exactly su- right. such good information. We're going to be going to a um, commercial break in just a moment. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about your thoughts on uh, weapon options for women. Again, another controversial topic, and you'll give us a very balanced um, viewpoint on it and look at the pros and cons, what the options are and necessary training that we really need to be mindful of. Um, Having that survival mindset, situational awareness, what are some of the other tools that women need to be aware of to make sure that they can stay safe? You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest is Donna Kinsey, veteran law enforcement. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 94.7 FM, The Word. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to GuardianProtect.com. That's GuardianProtect.com. SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. A spokesman for former President Obama denying President Trump's claim that uh, Obama had the telephones tapped at Trump Tower last October. The White House hasn't said what prompted the president's allegation, which came in a series of early morning tweets. Supporters of President Trump holding rallies around the country today. Federal officials say more than two dozen aircraft have violated airspace restrictions near the president's Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida. One Direction star Lewis Tomlinson has been arrested for allegedly attacking a photographer at Los Angeles International Airport. Singer's lawyer says the incident yesterday was provoked by paparazzi and that Tomlinson came to his girlfriend's defense as she was being, quote, attacked. More than 1,000 people turned out to honor a 14-year-old boy who drowned in the Los Angeles River after a storm in early February. His body was found last weekend downstream. This is SRN News. This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word. If you are a Colorado veteran and you are not in a VA mortgage, you've probably been lied to. If you're a veteran and not in a VA mortgage, 99% guaranteed you're paying too high a rate, throwing away thousands of dollars a year to a bank that will never tell you they're taking you for a ride. As a vet, you're entitled to use a VA loan over and over again. You should be paying zero in mortgage insurance, and you can take out 100% of the value of your home for paying off credit cards. Your bank is never going to tell you 
how much you're throwing away, but I will. I'm Brian Murphy, owner of Front Range Mortgage, a local Colorado-only mortgage team that has helped hundreds of veterans to drop their mortgage insurance, save thousands, lowering their payments, and pay off high-interest credit cards. Call me and my local team for a painless five-minute conversation to see how much we can save you. Our number, 303-500-1900. That's 303-500-1900, or visit FrontRangeMortgage.com. And I'm last 378844 regulated by the Division of Real Estate. This is a special notice to all US taxpayers. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's good news. Due to the financial hardship many are facing in today's economy, the IRS has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative. Qualifying for this program will resolve your tax problem, end all collections, and possibly reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. If you are facing wage garnishments, liens, bank levies, audits, or payroll taxes, it's not too late. Your circumstances may qualify you for this special program, protecting your savings and your assets. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's no need to worry anymore. Call the hotline at Victory Tax Solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands. For this free information, call 800-222-1963. 800-222-1963. That's 800-222-1963. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. I'm here with law enforcement veteran Donna Kinsey, and you can learn more about Donna Kinsey and her business, Training Enhancement Center, at trainingenhancementcenter.com. And I'll also have a link to her website from my website, which is drpegradio.com. So, Donna, you were providing us with some really practical tips uh, that we really all should take advantage of, um, getting an escort, uh, being mindful of where we're parking, how we're parking. Uh, what, what should we do if we're out, especially at night, and our vehicle breaks down? Uh, what, would, what would you recommend in that case? Well, in the scenario where a broken-down vehicle, we have to start with preparation and avoidance because, as we said in earlier in the earlier segment, that that's the best option. So running out of gas, for example, is 100% preventable. <laughs> so we cannot rely on that little idiot light. That's what they call it in our vehicles. <laughs> it's called that for a reason, that we have 22.1 miles left before we run out of fuel. So... In my household, we never go below a quarter of a tank of gas. So that's something that's 100% preventable. Mm-hmm. So um, we want to do that. And along with that is checking the battery, checking the tires, make sure your vehicle is properly maintained. That's real important. Um, the other thing is is that we have to know where we are at all times. So my daughter and I, when she was growing up, we used to play a game when we would get off an exit or pass a, a road sign so that if we did break down and we were not in a familiar area, we wanted to call the police and let them know where we were. So the first thing that we want to do if we do break down, if we're on the side of the road, we don't want to turn our interior light on and highlight that we're a young woman alone inside of our vehicles. So if you have to call someone, hold your cell phone down towards the um, bottom of your car, maybe between your feet, um, near the gas pedal to make that phone call. Also, um, depending on the state, generally the state police, when you enter um, a jurisdiction, will have the state police cell code where you can dial 
for example, in Virginia, it's pound 77. In Florida, it's star FHB. And you can just dial that number. And what you do at that time is you let the law enforcement agency know where you are, the type of vehicle you're in. Everyone should know the tag number. And what that does is that's a permanent recording of your voice going on a police dispatch call log showing where you are. So that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can spend the time to contact your local roadside assistance for them to come. You're going to want to stay inside your vehicle if at all possible. And if you're close to a friend's house or you're in a familiar area, call a friend and ask them to come sit with you. Um, there are strength in numbers, and you'll be less likely to be a target if there's another vehicle with you trying to assist you or waiting for the roadside service um, to respond. So mm-hmm. that's really important. The other thing is, um, for example, if you're, if you're stopped at a service station to pump fuel in your vehicle, before you exit your car, you're going to pull up and see if there's other suspects, uh, suspicious people sitting in a vehicle next to you that are just sitting there. Maybe they don't have the gas pump uh, inside their gas tank. Um, before you walk into a 7-Eleven or a grocery store, it's usually a glass front. If you are approaching the door, look up. Don't be on your cell phone. If the clerk behind the desk has both hands up behind the counter, you're probably not going to want to enter because if Mm. you walk into a robbery in progress, the suspect is not going to let you leave. So use that, I call it the um, the glass menagerie. Look through that menagerie and see what's going on inside that dwelling before you walk in. And you can do that with most department stores as well. Mm-hmm. So e- that's excellent suggestions. we all to fill up our, our gas tank. Mm-hmm. And again, um, not just for women. Uh, this is These are good tips for anyone. Sure, sure. It's the same thing when you, walk, when you park in the bank parking lot. Wait for a few seconds to make sure there's people coming in mm-hmm. and out. And if there's people running out of the bank screaming, you're probably going to want to wait to make that deposit another day. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing that I strongly recommend is that everyone have the local police and fire department programmed on their cell phones. Um, and uh, an ICE contact, which stands for in case of an emergency. Most cell phones have that option. And if the police need to use that ICE contact, it needs to be someone who's going to be able to um, know you and someone who's going to be able to maybe take some bad news and contact your emergency contact person. Okay. Um, and then, of course, there's a sex offender registry website, which everyone should be familiar with. All 50 states have that where you can look at the registry and see if there's any sex offenders or um, sexual predators that live in your neighborhood, where they work, things of that nature. And then lastly, we always want to file a flight plan. And that is to let people know where you're going, what time you're expected to arrive. And I'm 56 years old, just gave my age away there, (laughs) but um, I I always call my husband or send him a text before I leave the parking lot and tell him I'm in route home so that he knows when to expect me. Because Mm. the first 24 hours, Dr. Pegg, are critical in a missing person's case. And if we don't know where you are, we don't know where to start looking. Wow. So just really good information. Some of it is preventative to to reduce the likelihood of being a victim of a crime. And we know women are more likely to be victims of crimes than men. So really the prevention, the situational awareness, just taking those small uh, little steps and actions that make all the difference uh, to prevent the crime, a crime from happening. Uh, And also you're giving us some great tips that in the event, the unfortunate event that 
something does happen, uh, we're reducing the amount of time um, that would go by before law enforcement can respond because uh, we're 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 expected at a certain time, and now we have not arrived. I think that's a great uh, a great tip. So in in, in case of emergency, so uh, right now I have uh, in my phone I have mother and husband. So assuming that someone would scroll through, if even if they don't know my name, they'd see that. But you're saying ICE in case of emergency abbreviation is is a standard in law enforcement that we can all program those numbers under that name. It is, and we want to make sure that the person that's the ICE contact on your phone is someone who's going to be able to handle mm. stressful news. Because mm-hmm. if the police are having to resort to contact that person, you're probably not conscious or it's probably a situation where you're not able to respond. Okay. So all great information on avoiding situations and being and being proactive. But let's talk a little bit about, um, unfortunately, if you're not able to avoid a situation and there is an active threat uh, in your workplace, at church, school, in the community. Uh, we've talked a lot on this program many times about our options in an active threat incident of evacuate, hide, and take action. Uh, now, would would you make different recommendations uh, for women in, in the case of an active shooter event and the options that we have? Well, the key is whether you're um, in a restaurant, in your workplace, in a, in a shopping mall, or in, in your office. Um, you absolutely always want to know where the exits are, and you want a primary exit and a secondary exit. And the reason I say that is because you're going to want to get out in the opposite direction of the threat. So in the event that the threat is your primary exit, you're going to want an alternative exit to respond to. Um, and and we, we also want to make sure that where we sit, and this is great for people that work in offices, we want to try to get the least amount of barriers as possible in between yourself and your primary and secondary exit. A lot of these people design their offices and their workspaces in these modules. And uh, I I like to sit in an office where someone can see me from a distance at least. So if something's going down and there's a problem, they can at least alert someone that I need help. So that's just something to practice. Mm -hmm. Anytime we sit in the church pew or even go to a, a movie theater, We try to sit on the end of an aisle, and that's important because people generally are not trained and they will panic. So if you can not be in a center aisle somewhere, then you'll have easy exit to an aisle. And be careful not to just follow the crowd. Take a couple seconds to realize where you are, what's going down, and in that situation, um, you be the lead, and people will follow you, if nothing else, out of curiosity to see where you're going. Mm -hmm. So... um, don't just follow the crowd. Take a couple of seconds to recognize what's going on and then base your responses on that. Right. Um, and, of course, then we know that there are situations that um, even though we practice the survival mindset, um, there may be times where things don't go as planned. And in that situation, I personally am of the opinion that I want to be prepared to defend myself uh, violently if necessary and uh, for me, it's carrying some type of weapon to protect myself. And it's not for everyone, Dr. Pegg, but there are some intermediate weapons um, that women can use 
to defend themselves in a situation. And some of them are just intermediate weapons, not involving deadly force, um, but it all is, is, again, based on training. And then, of course, researching the laws of your state, governing the type of weapons that are allowed. Um, but we do offer a course called Weapon Options for Women. It's a new course. It's not yet been posted to the website, but it's designed to actually educate women. It's exclusively for women to educate women on um, the various types of weapons, uh, the defense weapons from pepper spray to tasers to handguns, and so they can educate uh, the women, and they can make a more informed response um, as to what weapon they would like to carry, if any. Um, many times I will get calls from women who recognize that I'm a high-liability firearms instructor and will ask me what gun they should purchase for self-defense. And that is that is a very, very serious question and not, and not one that can be answered um, without spending a lot of time on uh, what what weapons are out there and available. So um, based on that, we decided to put this course together. Mm-hmm. Well, we only have about a minute before we go to break, so we'll pick up our conversation um, after the break. But let very quickly um, talk about what some of the options are before we start um, looking at um, firearms. And again, we only have about a minute. Sure, sure. So pepper spray is the most common. Um, it does have pros and cons, which we'll talk a little bit more about when we come back from break. And then there is a step up from pepper spray. There is a taser, which is um, a device that is designed to stun an individual. It is not deadly force. And then um, certainly there's the handgun option. So we'll talk a little bit about when we come back from break, the pros and cons. Um, then, and then certainly we'll have to uh, talk about training because, again, that's paramount in any weapon that anyone decides to carry. Absolutely. Well, um, this is going to be a very interesting conversation with law enforcement veteran, FBI-trained uh, um, law enforcement officer Donna Kinsey, retired from uh, Florida um, um, police, um, a major with the Florida police Uh, Donna Kinsey, thank you so much for being my guest. When we come back, we'll learn more about pepper spray, tasers, and the appropriate firearms and training for women. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 94.7 FM, the word. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion. SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Welcome back, everyone. Donna Kinsey, thank you so much for being my guest today. 
Oh, the pleasure to be here, Dr. Peggy. Thanks for having me. Yes. So we're talking about weapons options for women, and we know that's a controversial topic when we get into firearms. Uh, But you're sharing with us that there are intermediate options. And um, when you talk with people, when they when they come in asking, um, you know, the old uh, saying, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. (laughs) And so when you have someone (laughs) saying, what what gun should I buy? rather than what weapon should I carry if, if that's what I decide to do to keep myself safe. There's a whole range of options up to and including firearms. So let's talk about um, more in detail about pepper spray. And also um, I've heard recently people recommend wasp spray because it has a longer, you can uh, be further away and it, it's more precise. So if, if you can share anything about that as well as you're talking about pepper spray. Sure, sure. So the the first thing that we always want to consider when we're talking about carrying any self-defense weapon is what are the state and local laws in our particular jurisdiction. Um, For example, although TASER is a wonderful uh, option for some women, it's not lawful to carry a TASER in Washington, D.C., so um, it's very, very important that the first thing we do is research the laws, the governing laws in our state, to make sure that the weapon we're considering purchasing um, is lawful to carry. So, um, for example, let's start with the pepper spray. Now, um, we do not recommend that you use any other type of spray, such as wasp spray or in- insect spray or anything that is not designed specifically as a defense tool. Mm. So um, if you're going to carry pepper spray, there are several manufacturers of pepper spray. Um, It is good for quite a distance, up to 15 feet actually. Um, And believe it or not, they sell pepper spray um, canisters that are actually filled with water. So it's practice pepper spray, Mm. which I strongly recommend to anyone who's going to be purchasing. Um, And then the way to carry the pepper spray is also really important because you're going to want to have it in your hands and you're going to want to have it handy in the event that you feel threatened and you start to use it. The other thing is, uh, ladies out there, we do not use pepper spray like hairspray. (laughs) So we're not using our index finger on the spray. It's much harder to use the index finger to depress that lever than it is to use the thumb. So that we're going to carry it in our hands like you would grab a roll of coins and then use the thumb to actually uh, press that button for the pepper spray to dispense. And the pepper spray has to be sprayed in the face. So it does no good if you pull that pepper spray out and you shoot the person in the chest or you shoot, they might get some residual, but it's not going to have near the effect that you want it to have. So that's why practicing is important. And you can just take a pie plate and staple it to a piece of cardboard and go out in your yard and use that, um, the mock spray or the practice spray to practice pulling. And then at the same time as you're practicing with that pepper spray, you're going to want to spray that spray and step aside. In the event that the person is charging you, then you're going to be stepping aside. Now, with that pepper spray, spraying the person in the face, their eyes will automatically shut. It is a very, very um, burning sensation. It's um, We had to experience some in our apartment if we wanted to carry it. It is not pleasant at all, and it temporarily um, will cause uh, blindness. It will cause the person to... um, to salivate and their eyes will run and their ears will run and it basically is just designed to give you just a few seconds to get away because you're not going to stay there and confront the assailant. You're going to spray and then you're going to move and get away. Mm. Um, so that is one option. The, the, the pros of pepper spray is you can use it from a distance. It's relatively inexpensive. 
Um, it's very easy to use once you train with it. There is a safety mechanism on the spray, so it won't go off accidentally. The con is in hand-to-hand combat, if you're in a struggle itself and you try to get that spray out and use it, you, there is a likelihood that you'll spray yourself. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the disadvantages of pepper spray. Um, so let's jump to the Taser. Uh, Taser International um, develops tasers for civilian use. There's uh, several different types. Um, they make them as small as what would fit in the palm of your hand. They actually make little holsters that you can carry them in clips on your hip. Uh, the taser is a, a phenomenal weapon. Um, it is designed to uh, mess with your central nervous system, for lack of, a letter, uh, lack of a better word. We also had to be shot with a taser if we intended on carrying it on the police department. And I will tell you, I will find the warranty deed to my house over to you before I would ever go through that again. <laughs> it totally incapacitates mm. you. It is excruciatingly painful, mm. and uh, but it is not permanent. In other words, it just temporarily suspends your ability to take any action. So um, that is a wonderful device. It is also good at a distance of up to 15 feet, mm-hmm. and you can also touch tase an individual at close range. Um, so it doesn't matter if you touch the person's skin. The taser actually ejects prongs mm. that will actually go into the person's uh, coat or jacket or sweater or even if it touches them. And the two connecting pieces, the actual prongs, will um, speak to each other, for lack of a better description. And it causes the device for a period of five seconds to make you totally incapacitated. Mm. Um, so that is a very effective intermediate weapon, and I should mention that pepper spray and tasers are considered non-lethal, mm-hmm. non-lethal force, which means the effects are temporary and they are not likely to cause death or permanent bodily injury, whereas the other alternative of a handgun is absolutely a weapon that is used in a deadly force situation. Right, so th- these are really buying us time to be able to run away and, and get help. Exactly correct. Mm-hmm. Exactly correct. And we, um, and, and even if they are, if they're used accidentally, or as you said, in hand-to-hand combat, you might accidentally spray yourself. Well, the good news is no one's going to die from that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So the key to all of these weapon options, um, and the course is actually called weapon options for women. The key to all of these options always resolve, uh, revolves around training. So regardless if you decide to purchase pepper spray or a taser or jump to a more um, uh, weapon that would be used in a deadly force situation, you have got to first check the laws of your state and then meet with someone who is certified as a subject matter expert in that specific weapon, someone who is certified as a trainer to work with you on any of these defense weapons um, to make sure that you're comfortable with it, confident with it, and that you understand what the weapon, what the weapon's capabilities are and what their shortcomings are so that you don't use it in a situation that is not appropriate. Mm-hmm. So that, that's really the most important. And then, of course, we have the, the option of a handgun, which, which is not for everyone. Um, probably the most serious defense weapon that you can purchase, and along with that, of course, comes the uh, responsibility associated with carrying a handgun, uh, the storage, the safe storage of the weapon, transporting the weapon, making sure that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Um, and, and you might say, okay, well, I don't have any children in my house, so I don't have to worry about it, but perhaps your cousin 
um, is visiting and he has children or, you know, the neighborhood kids are over playing in your yard. And, and with a handgun, it really, really um, just raises that level of responsibility and liability. So that is really a, a, a decision that has to be given much, much thought. Um, and again, training is paramount in the decision to carry any of those weapons. Mm-hmm. Now, when you present all of these options, uh, to women or really anyone seeking uh, who they come in asking what kind of gun should I purchase and when you review all of these options the pros and cons and the necessity of even training for pepper spray um, what percentage roughly would you say um, of people who, who inquire about purchasing a firearm ultimately purchase something else and train with non-lethal methods um, I have only had one person um, who was already a handgun owner that left the course being a handgun owner. All of the other women that I have trained um, have opted to carry pepper spray and or tasers. Mm. And, you know, for most women, that's probably a good idea. Unless you're actually willing to spend the time um, with a certified trainer at the firearms range, not just firing your weapon, because, yes, accuracy is important, um, because you want to make sure that if you have to use that weapon in a deadly force situation, that you strike the target. But there's so much more to consider when you carry a weapon. What is behind that target? How do you break that weapon down? If there's a malfunction and there's a jam, how do you clear that weapon? You know, and how do you make sure that that weapon doesn't get into the wrong hands? Um, so all of those considerations are so important. Um, and most women, after they realize that carrying a taser and carrying a pepper spray would allow them to do exactly what their intent is, and that's not to take a life. It's to separate themselves from the situation and just give them a momentary window of opportunity to escape. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be in hand-to-hand combat, and if the lesser weapons, the intermediate weapons, as we call them, the less lethal weapons, give you that opportunity, then most women would opt for that that option. Right. So it's it's, mostly because women don't understand that there are other options out there that can be as effective. mm -hmm. Um, You know, now pepper spray and a taser would not be used in defense if someone was pointing a fire on that, you certainly. Right. So, um, and again, it all goes back to training. Mm Mm-hmm. Training and and also whatever weapon you select, being comfortable with it and knowing exactly what the limitations are and what um, what what the appropriate use of that weapon is. Uh, such valuable information. Um, thank you, Donna Kinsey, uh, just for breaking it down, making it so practical. Um, information not just for women, but for everyone, uh, young people, um, men, women, as alike. So thank you so much. If you'd like to reach Donna Kinsey, I've posted a link on my website at drpegradio.com. Thank you so much, Donna. Pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And listeners, uh, tune in every Saturday for helpful information for safety, wellness, mental health, uh, just living well. One to two Mountain every Saturday. Join me for Living Well with Dr. Peg and go to drpegradio.com for more information. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by SSI Guardian. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat, visit drpegradio.com. You can also purchase Dr. Peg's books, Do Something Different for a Change, and Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, online at drpegradio.com. And remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS for Living Well with Dr. Peg. Want to know everything Christian that's going on in Denver? Log on to krks.com today. Krks.com. Local ministries, up-to-date concert events, and even the latest in weather. It's all at your fingertips at krks.com. Krks.com. Krks FM, Lafayette, Denver, Boulder. This is Denver.